1: We're all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this.
2: Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is so exciting. Victoria's here. Oh, so fun. Hey. Yay. So. For the next three weeks. I know. Yes. Ugh. What more Victoria all the time. All right. Great way to end through the rest of 2023. It's going to be so fun. All right. So I'm starting us off this week. I don't know about you both, but I resigned myself to periods of just random statements as a naturalist. I realized that some Things, tell us. Statements. Tell us more
1: about that. <laughs> what do
2: you mean? Like, like we've all been there. It's when like we say something that is absolutely ridiculous, especially out of context for whatever we might be teaching. But it, it's necessary within context. Right. I
0: right. mean,
2: I'm I'm thinking like how at okay. one of I think our. I'm you. Yep. Yeah, like as like one of our old workplaces or one of our mutual workplaces has a board of quotes,
1: right? Oh, oh, does it ever. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you know, it's funny. It's funny you should mention that, Rachel, because what we are doing at that workplace uh, this past week was uh, doing a lot of cleaning. Mm -hmm. We're doing some remodeling downstairs. Oh, did you find... And we've been finding people's heads that were photocopied and stuck in different places. Oh, wow. I've seen these... Many times, and we just have mm-hmm. left them up because they're funny. Right. What we didn't realize until we had to take them down was that there are quotes written on the back of them. Yeah. From the quote board. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and nice. there are some, some doozies. Let me tell you.
2: Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> I can only imagine. We we put a so lot we've of been effort.
1: Re enjoying those as <laughs> we discover them throughout the week.
2: Beautiful. Uh For our listeners, so you all know, this was done, mm, for. Five years ago, I think it was the summer of. We left them up. We had no idea there were
1: quotes on the back.
2: <laughs> we put a yeah. lot of effort into those shenanigans yeah, that awesome. year. It was great. So, that being said, many of my loved ones are kind of resigned to me just saying random statements sometimes, especially if I'm researching something. So this happened to me this week.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure
2: because I'll say these things with utmost seriousness. And I, I did say this, you know, we haven't covered enough mollusks. Uh, it just the <laughs> sigh I received from I, my partner.
1: Yeah. I can see how out of context that would be a little like.
2: We what? were in a coffee shop.
1: <laughs> what are you saying?
2: Just said that out loud. No problem. The sigh. So this week I'm actually, as yeah. you might guess, Talking about a lovely mollusk, a bivalve. Even
1: you're gonna cover a mollusk. I'm gonna Uh cover a
2: mollusk. Okay, we're gonna talk about scallops.
0: Oh, phew. Okay. Wait,
1: hold on, Victoria. Are you are you talking about something similar related?
0: Not this week. Interesting. Okay, so there's she was like
1: part way through researching next week's episode or something and it's like well i could start that over Ooh. that'd be fun no. but you're oh safe you're it's safe. not a
2: so scallop close. oh my gosh okay. we got close i guess um 149 episodes anyway so far <laughs> i really love scallops Um, uh, my personal favorite way to eat them is you sear them and you load them up with butter and just have a little bit of pinch of pepper and think we're not talking about how to cook scallops but i will say trying to research if you just I mean, type you scallops, are. it's just free <laughs> yeah i am actually i it's making me hungry but researching is there's, wild there's if very don't few say animals, animals on animals.
1: this show where we just dive straight from what the animal is to how best to eat it that's very <laughs> rare on this show i gotta say
2: thank you i tried to be I mean, unless we're
0: playing unless we're playing uh, eat right jacket yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly yes my goodness eat, right, jacket. people who are new
1: to the show are like what is eat ride jacket <laughs> Look, people, you just gotta hang around long enough to find out uh
2: check out our anniversary specials all right so yeah. <laughs> i don't want to go into recipes but so scallops are related to clams they have that hinge shell like that classic sort of fan-shaped shell that you find at the beach. Interestingly, scallops are only found in saltwater and marine environments. They are not freshwater species. They are found in every single ocean on the planet, which is very cool, but not any freshwater, which is fun. But makes me wonder where the fan-shaped shells come from in freshwater environments, but that's a different episode. There's actually some debate to help okay. give a little more clarity of what a scallop looks like. Uh, there's actually some debate, if you look, think about that famous painting of Aphrodite uh, being depicted after Aphrodite was born, mm. the goddess, there's emerging some debate from the waves that on a... emerging from the waves on a scallop shell is a debate yeah. behind gotcha. it. we it are talking be oysters, about the Botticelli but... painting,
0: right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Botticelli's birth of Venus, everybody. Google it. Thank you.
2: So the sea scallop, there are an entire family of scallops that live throughout the ocean. One of their main predators is a starfish, which I don't, I know we've covered starfish on the, our sea stars on the store, on the show before. And truly, I love them. I think they're really fun. And I know they're predatory, but I don't always think about them being predatory, if yeah, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> they seem
1: so docile.
2: Exactly. So the one main predator is a sea star. But what I really wanted to talk cool. about when it came to sea scallops in particular was... Well, so there are two really, really fun and kind of interesting facts about scallops. And... One of which is that they are one of the only bivalves that are able to use, able to swim away. Right. They use jet
1: propulsion. They use
2: jet propulsion in order to swim yeah. away. So they get a little bit of water and push themselves into the open water. And they've actually been shown to migrate a little bit, which oh, is really? wild. Like they'll... Not, like, super long distances, but they will migrate
0: along the ocean floor. Which is that why they're... Oh, why? go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. Yeah. What's your question?
0: Is the fact that they can swim the reason that their hinge muscle is so big? Yes. That is one of okay. their reasons. Yes. Huh, okay. For the longest time, I was really confused about, like, what was inside a scallop. Because mm-hmm. if you think about eating, like, a clam or an oyster mm-hmm. or a mussel... Right. Uh, right, The part you eat does not look anything like a scallop. Well, you're eating no, a different a part. Actually, you're eating a different part. It took me a, yeah. a longer than I would like to admit to to realize that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, with so the, the part, scallop, we're eating the muscle that closes the hinge. Exactly.
2: Whereas we're not doing that at all. We're eating with uh, clams and oysters and such. We're eating another type of muscle, but it's like the it's part of the filter feeding part of the it's, oysters and stuff.
0: It's basically all, all of their body.
2: Yeah. Versus the scalloping
0: well. you, you are playing
1: pretty fast and loose with the term we.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Kirk. <laughs> okay. I forget that you don't eat seafood. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's okay.
2: Kirk hates fish. Oh, he, he does. Well
1: Pumpkin fish don't
0: exist. It. So true.
1: That's true. So we're all good. All right. And no we're also
0: five valves are not fish. No, you hate their fishy.
1: But they're seafood. Yeah, I hate. Yeah, anything that tastes of the sea.
0: Yeah,
2: is it? Nope. We're not going to. We're not going to get into this. This will become. We don't know what we need to go
1: into my individual food psychoses <laughs> here on the show. But, I mean, uh,
0: other than what we all to. share about pineapple, but valid uh, pineapple. God, gross.
2: Anyway, <sighs> so. Like Victoria was saying, the hinge muscle is what we are actually eating. And because it's so strong, that is what they are using to help propel, propulse, propel, propel them through the water. Um, They're able to get a little bit of water and jet themselves away from predators such as uh, sea stars, which is very interesting because they're one of the only bivalves that actually are able to quickly swim away. And, yeah, and I was... You don't need to go that well, far. No, no, you really don't. He Especially it, super <laughs> fast. they're not very it's quick. It's slow
1: motion chase.
2: <laughs> or like, I mean, it's not just sea stars like octopi and octopus and such. We'll sure, eat them sure. too. They
1: are quicker for, mm-hmm. for yeah.
2: sure. Which, by the way, I was watching a video of a scallop swimming, which is disconcerting, uh-huh. but it looked a lot like the clam swimming in SpongeBob. Just okay. Okay. It kind of reminded me of that motion, except they're not like clapping closed. Now, getting back on track, because they're able to get away from a sea star, they have to be able to see the sea star in the first place. So they actually have something really interesting, which no other bivalve has. Oh, scallops have anywhere from ten to one hundred eyes along the edges of their I, shell.
0: I, I had no idea. Yeah. I think I did know that, but I had forgotten that. It's kind of creepy. That is so it cool. It is horrifying
2: to see. Uh, I'm sorry. They can even... <laughs> I see you. They can absolutely see you and it looks like they have little pupils and everything. It's so disconcerting. Um, they're really, really small. They are simple eyes. that is just for shadow detection. So... Okay. They mm-hmm. are eyes. They're detecting changes in light around them and shadow if something comes over them so that way they can quickly get away. But they and have And if you've got them. them all in a
1: row, you can probably tell what direction it's coming from. And all They have them
2: like in that. two rows. So it goes all the way along mm-hmm. the edge of the fan of their shell. Okay.
0: So they'll have gotcha. like
2: a row on top and they'll have a row on the bottom like attached to some cilia and such. Just I'm looking at a picture right now and I'm very
0: discontented. Attached to cilia, so like they're at the end of stalks, like a snail's eyes. Is that what you're saying?
2: Um a little bit. They're also attached to like the end of like a mantle section. So like the cilia is attached to the mantle. Just like mm -hmm. just just a little bit. Yeah, it is weird. Ugh. So they have like a retina <laughs> to be able to allow them to reduce. Oh, Victoria just saw a picture of their yeah, eyes. I just I just googled <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding off until now. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. So it's a good sensitivity. Looks like an alien. Yes, it does. And they have like ac- they are simple eyes, but they are they do have retinas within those eyes to allow them mm-hmm. as an early warning system because it allows like the light change to get really it allows them to be able to get really good contrast definition. So that way they can see changing light and patterns and motion and things. They're blue. They're blue. I oh, didn't man. mention that are... on top of all of this. The they're the bluest eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so disturbed. They look, like, they look
1: like little miniature blueberries.
2: Uh huh. They're about a millimeter across. Oh. So they are tiny. Oh, It's creepy. Creepy. Yeah.
0: It's it's not helped by the, the edge of the mantle sort of being fringed with stuff that looks like teeth, even though it's not teeth. Right. Yeah. Now, does
1: this make you want to eat scallops more or less or does it affect that?
2: It makes me want to eat them much less. I'm going to be just, real okay. honest. i to put it out of my mind. But I generally don't think about it too scallop. much if I'm going to eat a scallop. There is that too. Gotcha. Yeah. So... That's all I have for you both today. Uh, Pretty short and sweet on my side of things, but I have had the scallops and the eyes on my list for a while, and I thought, you know, I think it's time. (laughs) Well, now
1: you've gotten them off your plate.
2: Yeah, and in my stomach, I guess. (laughs) 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 All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be Victoria.
0: Hey, we're back every so often we will hear a sad tale in the media about someone who was killed or injured by an alligator usually in florida i was mm-hmm, just you
2: know? there i held an alligator
0: it was a baby though yeah baby. <laughs> was it so cute it was really cute actually uh well they're about Six to eight unprovoked attacks in the U.S. each year by alligators and a death mm, on average every three to four years. And invariably, the person has gotten too close to the water, Um, Mm -hmm. maybe with a small dog on a leash, possibly near a pond at a housing development or on a golf course, something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. this is this is the scenario. Obviously, this is also a problem in places that are home to the alligator's cousin, the crocodile. Uh, for example, in northern Australia, there are about three or four attacks per year and a fatality every other year, thanks to the fearsome saltwater crocodile that lives there. Yikes! Uh, similarly, mm. in Australia, you want northern Australia. You want to stay away from water bodies that might be home to uh, crocodiles. But you know, similar to most, most Floridians, Australians in crocodile-infested areas know how to be very cautious about approaching bodies of water that might contain crocs. Such as again, sure, sure. golf golf course water hazards, um, an apt term. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I am actually not going to be talking mainly about alligators or crocodiles today. Okay. I'm going to be talking okay. about another another golf course water hazard predator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, this um, is so
1: convoluted.
0: <laughs> yes, I have questions. <laughs> Uh, A very unexpected predator that made a home in a golf course in Queensland in the northern part of Australia. For 17 years, the freshwater lake on Carbrook Golf Course near Brisbane was home to six bull sharks. Absolutely not. Yes. Wow.
1: I
2: love sharks. We all know I love sharks. Absolutely not. And Australia. And Australia. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Bull sharks are
0: um, aptly named, put Mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah, when I saw this item, I was quite surprised because I was under the impression that sharks were only found in oceans, but it turns out I was wrong. Nope. (laughs)
1: Mm. There are
0: several shark species that can survive in brackish or freshwater environments, including uh, the Ganges river shark, which is a true freshwater shark that makes its permanent home in rivers. There's oh, other cool. species, uh, the that. same genus that live in Australia and Papua New Guinea that are known for living like in estuaries and can get up rivers and other brackish areas um, and marine areas near the coast. But so is the bull shark. Yep. <laughs> and while these, these, these glyph- glyphos um, genus... Uh, that I was mentioning earlier are relatively localized either to, you know, South Asia or Australia. Um, the bull shark, which is Latin name car. Carinus. Oh Lucas. man. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Carcarinus Lucas. We're going to go with that has a worldwide distribution Shepard. and is quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mm-hmm. territorial, aggressive to any kind of provocation. And they're found in coastal and river areas where... Oh, wait, there are also a lot of humans. Hey. <laughs> yep. So along they're with the great mad white mad shark mad. and tiger sharks, it is one of the three species that is most responsible for human attacks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how did these bull sharks get to the golf course lake? Yeah, how did well, they get to a great the question, lake? That's How did they get to the lake? In 1996, there were... Tremendous floods in the area. Oh, floods, floods. There it, it is. Yes. Floods. <laughs> and these six young sharks were swept by the floodwaters into the Carburg Golf Course Lake, which was near a river, but not normally corresponding with the river. Okay. That was question yeah. number two. Uh, yeah. And of course, when the flood dropped, the sharks were stuck there. Stuck <laughs> there, yeah. Like, well, so, I
2: guess we live here now.
0: Yep. Then between... 1996 and 2013, there were no major floods in the area. So the sharks were completely isolated in this lake for 17 years. 17. <laughs> what were they eating? Fish. How fish. big is this there lake? There were a lot. It's a pretty big lake. There were a lot of fish. Okay.
1: especially yeah. in picturing like a, a, a golf course water hazard, like a little pond. And I'm like... No, no. It was a pretty you know, big sharks lake. Sharks eat a lot of food. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a little better. <laughs> a recent paper explored the implications of this 17-year ban in a lake or on, uh-huh. you know, what we know about bull sharks' ability to survive for extended periods of time in completely freshwater environments, which had not been documented before. There have been other cases where bull sharks were isolated, but they were in um, salty bodies of water that then became more salty because they started evaporating and they were, you know, cut off from... The ocean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but this was a different thing. Uh, and so I, I mentioned that 2013 was the next time there was a major flood. And after that 2013 flood event, the number of bull sharks in the lake was uh, shown to be down. Whether. Okay because oh, some escaped okay. or some died is unknown nobody was tracking yeah, these golf sure, these sharks sure. really
2: how do you um, find there out there's
0: sharks i just i sorry but the hard way rachel the
1: hard way
2: yeah so you're at a golf course you're by a lake and you see a shark in the lake and you do you t- i would tell somebody right yeah to remove yeah. Yeah, the shark so it would go to the ocean
0: where it's supposed to be, not in a lake? No, no. Oh, I see. No, Rachel. No, this became a selling point for the golf course. This is Australia. Of course. <sighs> okay. It's even though no sharks are, are any longer in the lake, uh, it is still part of their logo is have a little shark fin. Amazing. Yeah. The last time a shark was seen there was 2017. So we think they're all gone now, whether, you know, they all died or they escaped or some combination. We don't really know. One was poached apparently mm. um lame. i will leave you with this little nugget to trouble your dreams bull sharks have been found in the mississippi river yep i was waiting for this one i as was far, waiting for this fact too as far upstream as alton illinois which <laughs> is basically across the river from st louis which yep. is about 17 150 river miles upstream or 2,800 kilometers. Let
1: that sink in, folks. Bull sharks in the PPI.:
2: river.
0: <sighs> um, they've also been found about 4,000 kilometers up the Amazon. However, however, I will say that the confirmed bull shark catch in the Mississippi was in 1937. There it is. And dams now prevent sharks from going very far upstream.
2: Right. In that yeah. river. Damn. I feel like yeah. it also potentially well, have to could wait get at too every cold. And yeah, what you, you say, say Rachel? Wait. Could it get too cold for them further up the north they go?
0: I don't know. Maybe they Not just in the summer. <laughs> Maybe they just were never uh, observed. I mean, the ocean can get pretty darn cold, to be clear. Yeah, it can.
2: I'm just thinking of the giant stuff. lake that lives just down my road and I want to make sure there aren't going to be sharks in my lake.
1: Oh, you want to know if sharks have ever made it into Lake Superior. I think you're pretty I don't,
2: safe. I think I'm safe too. It's real cold
0: yeah. there. Niagara Falls. Uh, be a pretty That's big a barrier one. to get up. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is really remarkable though, because you know, the physiological demands of living in both fresh and salt water are pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very you know, different. As a, as a fish in freshwater, your body has a higher concentration of salt than the surrounding water. So you're always having to get rid of water in order to keep the right osmotic <laughs> pressure in your mm-hmm. body. Yep. And in saltwater, it's the opposite. The body's concentration of salt is lower. So actually, most saltwater fish have to excrete salt because um, they're always oh, drinking yeah, yeah. in seawater. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the bodies of freshwater fish or saltwater fish are adapted with all their kidney and other mechanisms to to do those things efficiently. But it's really tricky to be an organism that can do both. And it's um, pretty remarkable that bull sharks and others like them can do that. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Super cool. My sources this week were an article in the New York Times, that paper that I mentioned uh, titled "Who's the Biggest Fish in the Pond?" The story of bull sharks in an Australian golf course lake, with deliberations on this species' longevity in low salinity habitats, published in uh, the upcoming January twenty twenty four issue of Marine and Fishery Sciences. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Victoria, uh, you're welcome. We're awesome, going to take thanks. yeah we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we'll have Kirk.
1: Fantastic. Hey, everybody. uh, Welcome back to the show. This week, I am starting uh, my segment off with a photo of an animal that I want the the two of you uh, to look at. And I always feel a little bad about this because the listeners can't see the image and we have to tell, uh, you know, or have the other hosts like describe it. But in this case, fear not, uh, because neither Rachel nor Victoria is going to have any idea what they're looking at either. Uh, Can the two of you please look at this photo? And
2: uh, let me know what
1: animal that is.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, this is an animal? Okay. It says step 1 95% and it looks sort of like the static used to get on your TV screen when Yeah. It looks like yeah. the it, it looks like the, the
2: lint um the lint that you take off of your lint catcher in your oh, dryer. Dryer oh, lint. Yeah, yeah, dryer yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah like or a little bit white like, that, lit. uh,
0: like that non-woven fabric you can get grocery bags uh-huh. made out of or whatever. Yeah, mm. uh-huh. Or like very a fabric too, softener too. sheet that's really yes, dirty. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the Seems- reason, I,
1: I should say, the, the reason it looks like this is what you're looking at is an image that was 95%, which is what the 95% is that you referenced at the bottom there, 95% computer generated to basically be noise. Uh, it's using a technique called RISE. Uh, which stands for Random Image Structure Evolution. Uh, it's Again. basically a, a systematic way to repeatedly create images with specific percentages of noise in them. Uh, so in this case, this image is only 5% of the original image left. And it's like little blotchy okay.
0: bits. So if, you look at I'm it and you're yep. like... If I'm squinting at it now, if I squint yeah. at it, it's it like looks a a little bit like male genitalia. Or uh-huh. possibly oh, a Loch Ness monster. This or is like, like a
1: Rorschach test here.
0: That's what
2: I was just <laughs> thinking. I'm like, if I squint, it could also be like a giraffe without its head.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, I'll okay. tell you what. We're gonna we're gonna go up because uh, the idea of this is that um, this is part of a study to figure out can you identify what type of animal you're looking at. And the, the random noise is meant to uh, uh, sort of simulate a dense vegetative cover. So in this okay, case, okay. 95% coverage. You really can't tell what the animal is. No. I'm going to have you go ahead and look at picture number two. See if that's any better. And I would say in these, the random noise is not the same in each one. It's it's moving around and whatnot. The parts of the animal you can see are also moving around. So it's not okay. like you're oh, sort gosh. of building on each one. Each each picture is is. Slightly different in terms of the, the not noise. Not any better.
2: It looks not any better. The same. Right? Although the phallicness right. that was yeah, perceived
0: is gone. Okay, good. Yeah, the blotchy, the blotchiness has just shifted around. So, uh uh-huh.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is ten percent of the actual data and ninety percent noise. So I'm going to send have you look at this one here. This is eighty five percent noise, fifteen percent uh, animal. Yep, not much better, right? No, no. All right, how about we're going to go to 80%. You're now seeing uh, 20% of this is actually the data that corresponds to the original image.
2: Um, I'm going to go with, it's a butterfly, but I'm just guessing. I, think it's a, okay. I could oh, see okay. a butterfly well, in that. Or maybe
0: like a scorpion. Ooh. Okay. A we're going to
1: keep going. We're going to keep going. This next one is actually a squint. step five. This is 75%. Seventy five percent noise. We're up to twenty five percent now. That's actual data from the animal. Uh-huh. Mm. Goes to show how hard this is.
2: Yeah. Also, just, just for our listeners like too, this is wow. This is grayscale, so it is white it and sure gray is. and pixelated. And Kirk, this still looks like the inside of your dryer catcher. <laughs> it does, catcher. It does. I'm
1: sorry. This, this one now is 70% noise, but that means 30% of the information on this picture is actually from the
2: animal. Are we making anything out? No. Is it a, it may be a flying squirrel, but that might be noise. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing maybe a little bit more of a longer curve type thing that I okay. hadn't seen before.
1: We're gonna go up higher now. Step seven. This is sixty-five
0: percent. Um, it would really help if I could know, like, uh, what order this animal belonged to. Sure would, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah.
2: Maybe I mean, I'm a, a, I'm a snake.
1: A snake? Okay, you're getting a snake vibe.
2: Maybe. I'm I'm seeing a curve. Maybe possible. it's a newt.
1: That could also be noise. I'm gonna have you look at. I'm going to have you look at one more. This is step eight. It's now 60% noise, uh, but 40% of actual data on this animal. I want to see if you're Mm -hmm. getting any closer.
0: I think it's a weedy sea dragon. Ooh, that could be fun. At this point, I feel like what we're seeing
1: is uh, sort of like staring at clouds. Yeah, we're just seeing what we, what we want to see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I
0: fully admit that. Yes. We're looking for the future.
1: We're going to go to step nine, I guess.
0: Oh, gosh. Mm. It's, it reminds me of those magic eye things. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, we're moving uh, on to step 11, which is now 65% of the original data is in this picture.
2: Giant squid. Nope. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going with bull snake or some sort of snake. I'm getting scale oh, vibes. I think it is a snake from step like right. 10
1: it took us to step 11 now someone oh, did i got that from snake step... earlier but it was just sort of th-
2: oh i got that at uh step 10 you were... i think you were throwing out the idea of
1: like well even way earlier than that no much earlier like, than snake, that yeah
2: mm-hmm. it
1: was sort of like snake like throwing out like a random guess at the noise sort of yeah but it's interesting that maybe even subconsciously your brain was saying there's something snake-like about this picture. You are absolutely correct. This is a picture of a snake. Yeah. I'm going to actually show you one one more step, step 12, although this test actually originally this came from went all the way to step 20, oh which my is goodness. a picture of a snake. Right. Uh-huh. This uh, last picture here, step 12, is 60% of the original data. And I feel like at this point, when you see it, you go, okay, I can definitely totally oh, see yeah. the snake now. Do you agree?
2: Yeah. Yes. Oh I see the curve University, that I actually talked which, about earlier too.
1: Yeah, that curve mm-hmm. of the snake kinda kinda comes and goes. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. two researchers were and I apologize, I'm gonna try to pronounce this the best I can. Uh Nobayuki Kawai and Kong Shen he So hope I Did some justice to those names. Uh, What they were studying is something called the snake detection theory. Hmm. When the researchers had students look at the images they created, uh, the students were able to identify the snake in the noise. And this is bad news for you guys. uh, Somewhere, usually between the sixth and eighth images, took you till the tenth or eleventh. I think Uh, I first suggested it at at, um,
2: like step six, but. Yeah, and and that that curve,
1: you know, you can, once you know it's a snake, you go back and be like, okay, yeah, you all to, right, yeah, now I can see it. Okay, I also yeah. don't know how big the original images were; they were showing them if that affects that or resolution things like that. But um, when they did this, when they kind of averaged out all the students, somewhere between the sixth and eighth images is is kind of where they started to see it. So on the low end, that was about thirty percent of the snake image data was there, mm-hmm. and students were able to pick out that it was a snake. Conversely. When it was an image of a cat, bird, or fish, on average, it took the students until the ninth or 10th image to see the animal. And the ninth image, which again is on the low side, would be 45% of the original. So it took 15% more data being present before the humans could pick out the non-snake in these images. And the researchers claim that this test supports the snake detection theory which is that the primate brain and visual sensory system evolved to detect snakes better than other animals. Snakes are a threat to primates in ways other animals might not be. And thus the, the idea is that there was a selection pressure to evolve eyes and the brain in a way that would actually help to increasingly uh, be able to, to detect snakes, mm-hmm. which is a pretty fascinating idea. Uh, this was, this, study would seem to fit nicely in with other research on snakes and perception. Studies have also been done where uh, you have a volunteer perform a task that requires their concentration. And while that is happening, you also show them photos of dangerous animals to distract them. And photos of snakes have been shown to be far more distracting to humans, which seems to indicate that our brain is keyed in on and preferentially giving special attention to snakes over other dangerous animals, like, say, a a shark or a tiger or something Mm -hmm. like that. Now, there's also a hypothesis, albeit I don't know it can ever be proven, but it's the idea that the shushing noise we do to quiet down a baby, like shh, shh, Mm -hmm. is supposed to sound like a snake hissing, and it works to quiet babies down because the primate brain evolved to make babies quiet when they hear that noise. Uh, Presumably, the ones that cry when they hear hissing got eaten and taken out of the gene pool. Again, Mm -hmm. uh, interesting hypothesis yeah, yeah. There, there's well and there's really no way to test that out right, right. so it's like I, I don't know but it's okay. it has been proposed as a possibility
0: well uh, so mm. what i've heard about shushing is that it mimics the sound of like the mother's bloodstream and the uterus and so that's it,
1: much more likely that was the my exact takes thought baby back <laughs> to that. the womb but exactly
0: who knows mm-hmm.
1: yeah that that's I'm I'm right there, right there with you. And on that note, the question has to be asked, does this research show what it claims? Does being able to pick out snakes earlier in these degraded images mean we evolved to be better at picking snakes out than other animals? And I'm going to give a strong maybe. Mm-hmm. So the researchers in this case clearly think so, but we always need to be looking for other explanations. And there is another explanation maybe snake camouflage just isn't that good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it is equally likely in my mind that the reason we can pick out snakes from the environment is that we, they are limited by the shape and composition of their body. They yeah. are composed of long, of a long straight line and straight lines are always easier to pick out in nature. Even, even if that um line is c- curved, it's a hard edge and hard edges stand out. Camouflage is most effective when it breaks up or hides the outline of your body. If you're a furry mammal with multiple limbs or a bird with wings and legs and a head and all these feathers, there are opportunities to manipulate not only the color of your body, but also the shape. And fur and feathers are also able to be used to blur the edges of an animal, making it harder for our brain to separate it from the background and foreground noise. Mm -hmm. So even with good patterns... Snakes are fundamentally always sharp edged objects. They're composed of a long line, and it could just be that lines are easier to pick out than fuzzy shapes, right? Yeah. yeah. There's also a limitation, I think, in this study uh, in that it is obscuring an animal using random noise. And the researchers make a claim, which they don't back up in the paper, that this random noise is a good simulation of vegetation. And is I don't though? buy it. No. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't buy it. And also, I've taught enough about animal camouflage as a naturalist to know that camouflage is often very specific to habitat and not all habitats are the same. Animals have preferred vegetation types they like to hang out in that is good for their camouflage. And camouflage has evolved to mimic specific patterns and colors. And showing black and white images of animals with just a general generic noise mixed in does not replicate what occurs in nature, because animals are not hanging hanging out in random vegetation. No. There is intention behind where they hide. There's intention behind how they position their body. There's intention behind how much of it they let be visible, right? Mm -hmm. These things are all not controlled for in this experiment. And camouflage is as much about behavior as it is about color and pattern. And what I think this study has actually shown is that humans can pick sharp lines out of noise better than they can pull fuzzy shapes out of noise. Uh, That certainly has implications for how well we can see snakes, but in the end, I'm just not convinced this particular study is proof of the snake detection theory. I think there's simply too many confounding factors and alternate explanations that the researchers failed to eliminate. Now, the researchers do note in their paper that humans can pick out the diamond shapes of scales very quickly, and only snakes have those shapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has been shown through other research. So I guess I have to say, when I go back and look at the earlier images in, in the sequence, like even numbers like three and four, mm-hmm. when there's there's no body shape, if you know it's a snake, you can kind of go, you know, I do notice some kind of diamond patterning. Some sort the of scale looking thing. Which is interesting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But you know, fish have scales too. So I, I don't know. Um, I did definitely see the diamond pattern before I saw the outline of the snake. So maybe that makes their point, I don't know. Uh, is the snake detection theory legit? Again, maybe. It's hard to say at this point, there are lines of, of evidence, multiple lines of evidence that seem to indicate there may be something there. And in that sense, this study can be taken as part of an emerging pattern that seems mm-hmm. to indicate there might be something to the theory. Um, but as a standalone piece of evidence, I'm simply not convinced yet. But you know what? That's how science works. Mm -hmm. Incremental progress and multiple lines of evidence that maybe on their own wouldn't be sufficient to convince you of a theory, but when all the lines of evidence kind of are pointed to the same place, that eventually, you know, they point us to our best current understanding of what we think is going on. So it's kind of a cool metaphor for just how science works.
0: Totally. Do you know, do you happen to know what department, what the academic background of these researchers was are like they data scientists or are they
1: biologists? no 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 no. The, the study was funded by the japanese society for the promotion of science which is pretty generic um it was published in plus one uh and the um you know i know it was also talked about in neuroscience news.com um so you know they may be studying Neuroscience, um, but yeah. it does not. Uh, doesn't actually say. But they're, you know, they're not necessarily. They're coming at it from a, a different perspective than maybe right. someone like myself might come. Uh, at it, and uh, that brings me to actually my citation for this. Um, everything I had was from this actual research paper. If you want to check out all the Im- all the images, uh, and and read about this whole thing, it was called breaking snake camouflage humans detect snakes more accurately than other animals under less discernible visual conditions. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, and that is from the October, 2016 issue of plus
2: one. Cool. Thanks, Kirk. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks. That pretty weird. Interesting. You know, Wild. Yes. you know,
1: to pick snakes out is pretty useful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair.
1: Well, if you like snakes, I hope you find some. If you don't like snakes, I hope you're able to avoid them. Hmm. And thanks for uh, tuning in for another episode. Thank you. See
2: you all next week. Bye.
1: Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show.